Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My guest today is Nathan. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello and thanks for having me. Today's topic, Ghost World, based on the comic book of the same name by Daniel Klaus. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Now, you've been on the pod quite a few times. Mm -hmm. And out of all those times, there's been a handful of films that you've requested that we cover on the podcast. I think the first one could have been Conan the Barbarian, followed yep. up by The Destroyer. That tracks. Ghost World. <laughs> this is one of yours. It is a film that I had seen in the early noughties on DVD, but I'd not seen it in over 20 years. But this is one that you wanted us to review. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's been some time since I watched it. It's been a very, very long time. Um, not long after it initially came out. And so I thought we should probably uh, revisit it all these years later. But what was it for you? Because again, like, this had been a film that I'd seen all those years ago. Didn't think about it again, really, until you suggested it for the podcast. I mean, have you read the original comics? I thought I did. Um, I want to say I did, but I don't actually own them, so I don't know how I came to come stumble across the um, the source material in the first place. So I do recall, I do have a memory of reading it. Maybe I borrowed it off a friend, or maybe I got it from a library. I honestly can't remember how I came upon it, but I, it's not something I own in my collection. I don't think. Okay, I just I, I thought maybe you had some sort of history with the source material because again you've said hey let's talk about it on the pod we're here i think we're, was, we're doing it we're doing it now i don't think I, I think it was just uh a curiosity i think it was just more like just because of its its pop culture sort of association or its cult following its cult status it's a favorite among uh certain you know certain pop cultural cliques oh or, absolutely and hey i'm i'm glad that i watched it again and that we're here talking about it today i again i think we, i think we've got to the bottom of it you just thought hey i've seen it before i'm familiar yeah, with this source material let's um, yeah let's i think that was about that's it. really much that's really much it just the fact that it's been so long i thought let's 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 dig it back up let's revisit it see how we feel about it all these years later and this is a low budget film it had a budget of seven million at the box office mm. it went on to make eight point eight million and we have done low budget movies on the podcast before i mean we do uh, comic book adaptions for TV and film. We've mm -hmm. done some indie films like Kevin Smith's back catalogue, and I would yeah. put this with them. I'm not saying it's yeah. I like it as much as them, but it's that type of film. If you compare it to, like, most recently we did the Michael Bay-produced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We've yeah. done The Expendables. Anyway, so th this is very different to what we've done Recently. Of course. I mean, some of the stuff we've covered has staggeringly big budgets, uh, whereas this feels modest in comparison. The film debuted at the Seattle International Film Festival in 2001. It had little box office impact, but was critically acclaimed. It was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay and has become a cult film. If you're unfamiliar or it's been a while since you've seen it, I'll just do a quick run through of the plot. The story of Neo Cool Enid, played by Thora Birch, and Rebecca, played by Scar Johansson, who, faced with graduation from high school, 
take a hard look at the world they wryly observe and decide what they really want. When Enid takes an interest in the offbeat Seymour, played by Steve Buscemi, and Rebecca focuses her attention on their mutual romantic fixation Josh, played by Brad Fernrow, the girl's friendship is forever changed. So there you go. It's a teenage girl high school movie. <laughs> the director, Tevi Zwigoff, he first garnered attention for his work in documentary filmmaking with Louis Bluey in 85 and Crumb in 1985. After Crumb, Zwigoff moved on to write and direct fiction feature films, including this movie in 2001 and Bad Santa in 2003. Oh, yeah, I I liked I it enough for what it was, and I've not been able to bring myself to watch the sequel. Or have I? Yeah. I don't think I have. I don't think I've seen I did watch, the sequel. Yeah, I did watch the sequel, but the first one's admittedly better. You know, it's worth noting with, with this film that I mentioned, you know, the Academy Award recognition, but specifically, this is the first film based on a graphic novel or comic book to actually receive an Oscar nomination for Best Adapted Screenplay. Mm, you yeah. have to remember, too, that this came out uh, before comic book movies really took off. I mean, the, the comic book movies in Hollywood were just in their infancy when this when this came out. So this was very cult. This was very underground. Um, and, and, you know, Spider-Man was only just starting to really launch. Uh, and same with X-Men and stuff like that at the time. So X-Men came out the year before, 2000. Mm. Spider-Man was 2002 so mm. you're right you know 2001 it really was early noughties like after this we got daredevil hulk yep. electra blade came out before this in 98 but then it was just blade we had to wait until x-men so you're well, right this was an, an early one yeah yeah and what's interesting is that the studios were going after these bips these big properties um sensing that they could make mega bucks off them and, and start you know huge franchises and chains Ghost World is relatively a uh, small, small fish, you know. Like when you think about it, it's it's just a uh, an indie comic book, and oh, it's very interesting, that it got, yeah. very interesting. Very interesting got optioned for a movie when you have these behemoths around it at the time. And looking at the cast, Scarlett Johansson. This is yeah. years before Iron Man two, where we first got to see her yeah. as Black Widow. Of course. Thora Birch as Enid, like it is a two-hander. It is Thora Birch and Scarlett Johansson. They're on all the posters, cover of the DVD. But really, mm. it's Enid's films and it? it's Enid's relationship with Seymour that pretty much that dominates dominates yeah. the film. What's interesting with her character's name, Enid Coleslaw? The main character's name is an anagram of the film and comic books author Daniel Klaus. Any clothes? Well, hey, there you go. That's um, that's pretty. Pretty cool. I was looking into it. They were, I think, at one point looking at Christina Ricci for Enid, but they went I with that. Thora Birch, who I first saw her in Hocus Pocus. She was the little sister mm. in that. Um, and yeah, Scott Johansson. I mean, she's huge now. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows. She looks so, she looks so young in that movie. I, I, that, that really uh, stood out to me when I rewatched it. I was like, wow, I forgot that Scarlett was in this and she looks so young. Yeah. But um, you just mentioned um, uh, when the, the girl who played Wednesday. Uh, Christina Ricci. Yeah, Christina Ricci. You just mentioned her. I can totally see that. 
um, having said that, I can really see her as, as Enid, for sure. Well, that, that, especially, that great... especially when she's wearing the mask. And it's like a mm. Catwoman-esque mask. And that's on mm. one of the covers of the comics as well, or graphic novels. I've seen that artwork. Mm. And she wears it for a short time oh. in, in this film, but they used it as part of the, the marketing. They did. I mean, look, nothing against Dora Birch. She did a great job. But um, I, had she had turned the role down, Christina Ritchie would have been a great fit. So either way, you couldn't go, you couldn't go wrong with either one of those actresses. Yeah, but these two together... Um, Johansson, the chemistry is there, it just works absolutely. Yeah. Like, you do believe that they really are best friends, but as well as mm. those two, Steve Buscemi, Seymour, he mm. he nailed it. Like, but he does this really well. And I did read like a little um, interview with him, and he was talking about how once he'd finished his scenes as Seymour, mm. he'd go and change his clothes because he well, didn't he didn't want to feel like Seymour. So it's like he was playing a part, you know, this real sad guy um, who, you know, his life is all the better for meeting mm. Enid and everything else that happens after mm. that. But, yeah, but for him personally, playing this character, he's like, right, mm. okay, we've stopped filming. I'm going to get changed. <laughs> I don't want to look and feel like Seymour anymore. Yeah, that's fair. When you're living that life and playing that character for quite some time, it must be, you know, as an actor, you probably just don't want to be in that uh, role or in that character's skin anymore. But he he definitely plays it well. Uh, another person that I recognise, oh, Pat Healy, plays a character named John Ellis. You'd know that him name as rings a bell. Commissioner Gordon from the Burton yes. Batman films. There you and go. I've said it before and I'll say it again, is Gordon in name only. <laughs> Like he's mm-hmm. not, oh, he's yeah. not a good commissioner. Gordon. But anyway, he's um, absolutely <laughs> He's in, he's in this film. And David Cross, we all know David Cross, Arrested Development, yeah. uh, scary movie too. We've, we've seen him in heaps of things. He plays a character named uh, Gerald. That's right. David Cross is very, um, very prolific in film. Absolutely, and stand up circles too. Yeah, and he had that. What was that show that he did with? Um, Bob Obenkirk, uh, the the show or Mr. Show. Anyway, he's done like that's right. He's done yes, a Mr. Show. show. You got it right. There yep. we go. He's done a sketch show as well. Um, but here we are. Just a couple of guys in our thirties slash forties talking about mm-hmm. this movie um, about teenage girls in high school. <laughs> it's been a while since we were in high school, but from memory, they they get it right. You know, it feels you know it's a coming of age story. Um, mm. Two friends who started off wanting the same thing, start to drift a little bit. Um, for Rebecca, like she's still all about the dream that they've had for many years of getting a place together, yeah. moving in together, where Enid's going in a different direction. She's got a new friendship. There's romance. Um, yeah, but okay. <laughs> so there, there <laughs> is the, I, I do want to just touch on on the on the score, but before we do, is there anything that we've not talked about that you want to? I think that, um, what stands out to me, very obviously, is the name of the movie, Ghost World. What, how do you, what do you think that, like, what do you think that means? You're, you're thing that drives so many things. When I, when I think about it, I think like maybe it's a meditation on how uh, Enid feels about society. Maybe she feels like a ghost in society, like no one can yeah. see her. Or, that's or how that, I know, took she, it. She's invisible. Yeah, that's I'm kind of talking. what I was trying. Yeah, that's, that's something that's I was what, thinking about. That's what it's interesting you brought the title. Yeah, that's what I, I always always got from it but for me 
when I first heard, I, I didn't know what it was, just a movie called Ghost Town. I thought it was going to be something supernatural. Um, obviously, yeah. it isn't. <laughs> it's a it's different, yeah. it's a different thing. But, uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's what I take the title to mean. Um, so the score, David Kate, I've seen his name. It's the first time we've talked about him on the podcast. But if we're wow. looking at uh, films that he has scored, uh look who's talking i think that would have been one of his first films oh, that takes he, me back wow. he collaborated quite a lot with director amy heckling so she did films like clueless that was one of hers and he worked on films like can't hardly wait scary movie how the kuma go to white castle dude where's my car okay oh wow yeah. Teen films. The yeah. <laughs> Teen films, but he also did Bad Santa, which again has got a connection with the director. He did Art School Confidential, and he did a personal favorite of mine, which I watched again recently, A Night at the Roxbury. Will Ferrell, Chris Kattan. Ah, I love that film. There you go. <laughs> and he was the composer on that film as well. So he's been very, very busy. So this wow. film, if you're going to rate it out of five, yeah, look, um, I had a really hard time of it this time around. I, I didn't, looking all these years later, I didn't really enjoy it much. Um, I suppose it's that speaks to, you know, like like you say, like you said earlier on, our ages and where we're at in our lives. And, and you, you don't feel as much uh, empathy or you, you don't have much common ground for the character because of where you're at in your life age-wise. And it's very hard to relate to, you know, being a teenager anymore. And Enid's motives to me felt very selfish. And I just didn't care for the fact that nobody got what they wanted in that film. Um, just the way it ended, like, you know, Seymour ends up alone again and in therapy. And, um, you know, he she breaks it off with her best friend uh, who and she declined to move in with her and she screwed her around. And then she decides to skip town. Like it was just a really lousy kind of ending and it just, it didn't sit well with me. And I just thought, man, like it's, I don't remember not liking this film this much when I first saw it. Like when I first liked, when I first watched it, it struck a different chord with me because I was much younger, but it's, I guess it speaks to, um, you know, your, your life experiences as you age and it, it just didn't sit as well with me this time. It didn't re resonate with me as much. So I can't really score it very high. I, I, I'd probably literally come in at maybe like a one or 1. 1.5 because I just didn't have as as good a time with it there are in saying that there are good things to like about the movie the soundtrack's great the pop culture references are good i like the character of seymour i like his quirkiness um visually it looks great um so there's things to like about it but yeah it just didn't it didn't really sit well with me so i'm coming in look quite low at about a 1.5 yeah i mean it's broad characters isn't it like mm. you're talking about you know enid being selfish she is being selfish but it's not a type of film where everybody makes right choices. And mm. at the end, like she does want to leave, but she feels like she can't. And there's that guy that's always at the bus stop. He's always there. That's right. But then one day yeah. he isn't. So she's like, well, if he can leave, I can leave too. And just friends, you know, just growing apart and not stopping being friends, but just wanting different things. So mm. it's good. It is It is a, a good film, but it's that thing where this is the second time I've seen it. First time would have been, again, early noughties. Not seen it since, but when it's a film that you grow up with, you you have that connection to. So you know you can mm. watch a classic for the first time now. Somebody who's grown up, like most recently, I rewatched Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Love that film. If I was mm. going to watch it as a brand new film today, as a thirty-nine year old, I don't know if I would Play to love it. it as much. I might yeah. find things to like about it. 
So Adam, I think it's all like, you know, how old were you? Where were you in life when you came to a a particular thing? So this is this is a film that I'd seen. I'd had no I mean, you brought it up. You suggested it. That's why I watched it again. But if not for us reviewing it for this, I'd have probably not gone back to it. But mm. what it's doing, it's doing well. It's just not necessarily for me. But credit where credit's due, you know, the performances, the writing, the directing, you mentioned mm. the soundtrack. It is, it is all there. But I'm going to come in at a two out of five. Well, that's it for our episode all about Ghost Town. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.